Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Rachel Geller. Dr. Geller is the Vice President of the Gifford Cat Shelter. Previously, she served on the Board of Directors for three years, and prior to that, was involved with the shelter as an ardent supporter. Rachel is also on the Board of Directors for the Marcus Maurice Foundation, which provides care and comfort for homeless and abused cats. Rachel is a certified humane education specialist through the Humane Society of the United States and is a member of the Academy of Pro-Social Learning. She participated as a panelist in HSUS's Cat Behavior and Retention course and serves as a cat behavior counselor for Gifford as well as the community. Rachel also created and led a nationwide webinar for the Association of Professional Educators, of which she's a member, entitled Activities for Inclusion. Rachel's also very involved in advocacy issues and caring for the vulnerable. Rachel, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me on. So I must excuse my cat, Hooch. I think he might be snoring a bit in the background of the show. <laughs> well, it just adds that extra ambiance to the program. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Geller and her name, uh, she was on one of our earlier episodes. It's actually episode number 18, and we are now in the 140s. This is episode 146. And so if you're interested in hearing all about Rachel's background, how she got started, all of that, I would suggest you go to the communitycatspodcast.com and go into the search bar and you can either type in Geller or number 18 and that episode will pop right up and you can feel free to listen to that show. This show, we're going to focus on Rachel's current activities and current projects and what she's, what she's up to. And so I was wondering, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of training sessions, a lot of education. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the projects you've been working on and some of the projects you have going forward? Oh, yes, I would love to do that. Thanks for the opportunity. I became a certified humane education specialist because I really felt that the moral and humane response to the problem of animal abuse began with assisting kids in developing empathy and compassion for animals. So I have been going to different organizations such, such as the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, community centers, senior centers, YWCAs, YMCAs, organizations such as that, also synagogues and churches, and teaching children that animals are living beings with feelings and helping kids learn about animals and to become empathetic to the needs of animals and learning to live peacefully with animals. I really believe that teaching kids to have compassion and empathy for animals is really a critical step in preventing cruelty to animals. And to that point, going in and speaking to these groups, maybe using books, using different activities. I have been able to get kids interested in the care of animals. And I just feel very strongly 
that these are kids who will grow up who not only will not be animal abusers, but these are kids who would, as adults or even kids, perhaps report animal abuse when they see it. And I think that's really important. You have a lot of history of working with kids and at-risk kids and bringing animals in and working with them over the years of experience of doing this. What sort of changes have you seen? Like you said, education and, and particularly special needs is an interest of mine. I ran a program for over 20 years in a public school system for behaviorally and conduct disordered kids. This population has a very strong correlation with herding animals. And one of the most amazing benefits for the special needs group when I work with them is the role changes in this group. What I mean by that is kids with special needs almost exclusively are always receiving help from other people. They're always being helped, assisted, have teacher aides. And honestly, this can be really disempowering to those kids. And what happens and what I saw in my work is kids who feel lower status, kids who were maybe abused, kids who feel on a lower rung than their peers, these are the kids who will then turn around and abuse the family pet or another companion animal in the neighborhood because they view that animal as an even lower status than they are. Because animals can be an easy target for these kids, what I really learned from my years in special needs is that we can prevent animal abuse by creating empathy in these kids. And then what happens is when kids with special needs can actually use their talents to help animals, they then gain a fresh sense of independence. They get responsibility. And this brings increased self-confidence. So I know it might seem counterintuitive to bring a high-risk kid into an animal shelter who could possibly be an animal abuser, but actually by bringing them in, it's really a natural place for these kids to become, to feel valued and to feel needed. And then these are the kids who then will become attached to these animals and will actually not abuse animals in the future. Are you saying it's as simple as working with a local school system and trying to arrange for them to come into the shelter in a supervised environment? Or when you're talking about specific activities, do you bring them in and have specific objectives and goals? Or exactly what does that picture look like using the example of one child and what would a program look like for them? All of the above. So I have been going into schools and especially after school groups and giving presentations about animal care and welfare. But the other thing I've been doing is helping shelters set up programs where kids can come into the shelters. So an example of that is a program I developed that I call Cool Cats and Paperbacks. This is a program that I came up with that actually is great for special needs kids or at-risk kids. So if you think about kids who are not strong readers, they don't like to read, they don't want to read in class, they never raise their hands, they're embarrassed of their reading level. But if the kid's reading to a cat, the cat certainly isn't going to know if he makes a mistake. So 
what we do is we have kids come in and read their books to the cats. So this benefits both the shelter and the kid. For the kids who are afraid to read out loud because they're going to be judged, they can practice their reading to the cats. And for the cats, they have that socialization. They have the visits. They have the time with a human being, especially if the, it's shy cats. That's one example, having kids come into the shelter and read to cats. Another example is even just teaching young kids to be sensitive about the language that they use. So for example, I have a whole lesson that I do on idioms. So think of things like, I can go here and go there and kill two birds with one stone, or don't let the cat out of the bag, or there's more than one way to skin a cat. So if you think about it, these are all really, really violent ways to say simple things. Like why, why use something so violent, like kill two birds with one stone to say I can kind of do two things at the same time. Even just a lesson like that and getting kids to become more sensitive of the way we think about animals can be a really powerful lesson to a young child. Why do you think that Cool Cats and Paperback sounds like a really simple program to initiate? Why do you think more organizations don't do that? I think it's probably a matter of having the personnel to put it into place. And I think it's also maybe a little bit of thinking it's a daunting task to bring special needs kids into animal shelters. There, You probably should have a teacher or supervision, or maybe if you have volunteers who are retired teachers or volunteers who have worked in in that type of social organization before. I mean, th- there's definitely some barriers to putting programs like these in place. But one of the things that I did in my activities for inclusion webinar is I actually, prov- this was a, a nationwide webinar for people who work in shelters across the United States. And I went into great detail of how to provide accommodations for special needs kids in animal shelters. So very tangible, real things we can do to help the people who are in the shelters feel feel that they are ready and able to handle special needs kids coming in. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of a, a ramp up in these types of programs, but I think the benefit is once you get it into place and once you've set everything up, it's there. So it's not like the work is always going on. There's definitely a setup period. And I, I do think there's some fear and trepidation in general with bringing kids under 18 into animal shelters, but I'm really working hard to provide the structure and support to help people do that. And it's, it's taking off slowly. Would you like your students to understand animal shelters, homeless animals, and what they can do to help? Dr. Rachel Geller is a certified humane education specialist and cat behavior counselor. As a certified humane education specialist, Dr. Geller is skilled in the area of best practices in the teaching of humane education and the most up-to-date educational strategies. Combined with her certification in regular education and special education, she is available to teach topics on animal welfare to your organization. 
Rachel teaches regularly for the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, community centers, senior centers, and animal shelters. In addition, Rachel teaches and trains shelter volunteers in cat behavior and how to recognize and understand that cats have their own way of communicating. She also helps to correct behavior problems in cats. Rachel has developed many programs and videos on common cat behavior problems and looks forward to working with you. Just email rachelsg at aol.com. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-S-G at A-O-L dot com. Are you swamped with miscellaneous papers and notebooks with details about the cats in your colonies? It's hard to keep track of all the details. Do you get a headache whenever your TNR coordinator asks you for paperwork that they need for their program? Cat Stats is the ultimate TNR program management tool that will reduce your stress. Set up your own online cat colony database and track colonies and caretakers in your service area. Mapping and automated requests for help are also featured. Designed by Neighborhood Cats, Cat Stats is available at no cost to animal welfare organizations. Cat Stats has an easy-to-use interface, and all of the information is protected and private. We want to help you spend less time on paperwork and more time helping cats. Check out this free tool at catstats.org, C-A-T-S-T-A-T-S dot O-R-G, brought to you by Neighborhood Cats. Is there a better age range to focus on? So say maybe you can't do all kids or have multiple groups in, but maybe say, okay, let's do this like one day a month. Is there a particular age group we would focus on? I like working with the elementary school kids because they're at that point, they're still young. They, and a lot of these kids are, they want pets themselves. They love animals. They like to read books with animals in them. So that's a nice age group to, to bring in into shelters. And even what I've done in some, with some shelters who are interested, I've even just have the kids come and the teacher can read a story to them, a humane education-based story to them, something like Nobody's Cats, that's a really great humane education book. A Home for Nathan is a great one. These are books that that talk about how cats might end up at shelters and what happens and how they get adopted. So sometimes even just being in the shelter and having a lesson based on animal shelters can be a really nice way to go. And it doesn't get overly involved with the kids touching the animals, which I think is always a concern. I think also using accommodations when kids are in shelters is really, really important. Checklists, maybe one thing I did for one shelter is had them put tape on the floor. So this is the area the kids are allowed in, things like that. So I think I think that getting into really specific programs and really giving the shelters and teachers ideas, lesson plans, accommodations is the key to making all of this work. And I think it's so worth it because if you just think about a world where we're teaching kids kindness, compassion, empathy to animals, and we're teaching the younger generation that animals are are beings and that we need to care for them is just so important. High school kids are a little more responsible, hopefully. <laughs> um, and for those of us who work with high school kids, that can be debatable. But when you get to that age, that's, to me, that's an age where you can maybe bring technology into it. Maybe you can get these kids 
blogging about the things that they see and do at the animal shelter. They could create a Facebook page. They can do things with social media. So there's a lot of things where maybe they can come into the shelter once a month, but they're doing animal-based activities perhaps several times a week. And that can be really powerful too, especially if you can bring in things that they're interested in, like technology, social media, Facebook, and but use it in a way to broadcast the things that they learn in the shelter, maybe comment it on it, write about it, things like that. Specifically, what sort of program does the Gifford Shelter have? So the Gifford Cat Shelter, we don't have a formal program for kids in the shelter right now. We do have programs where kids can come in with a job coach or their parent and volunteer. We have a program where kids can do community service, but um, not at the shelter, but they can do community service projects such as bake sales and raising money for the shelter or helping us with our raffles. We don't right at this moment have a formal classroom type program at Gifford, similar to some of the things I've been doing at other shelters. We're really small and that's something that we haven't done yet, but we, in, we last year did not have an opportunity for community service and service learning, and now we have set that up. So I'm really excited about that. And area schools are now approved for Gifford to be used for their community service and service learning credits. That's great. One of the reasons why I asked the question is I, I do know that Gifford is a pretty small organization, and many of our listeners are part of small organizations. So would you have any specific recommendations for a small group that maybe even a group that doesn't even have necessarily a shelter, maybe is foster home-based, how they could participate in having some sort of an education program, but not yet feel like it's overwhelming? Yeah, I think that would be the perfect opportunity where somebody from the shelter can go out into the community. And that's what one of the things that I've been doing. I've spoken at the Newton Senior Center, the Brighton Senior Center, several different youth groups, the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts. So as a representative of Gifford, I'll go to them as opposed to having them come to Gifford. And the other thing that I have worked with with these groups is having them do things to help cats. So making blankets, having a bake sale and raising money to help the cats, going going into their schools as kids and in after school groups talking about animal shelters and how animal shelters help help cats. And even for the reading, kids on their own can read about books and then write a response to the book or a blog to the book. I think using technology, especially for middle school kids and high school kids, is so powerful because it's something that they can really relate to and it's something that they have used for their entire lives as a way to spread the word, interact with people. So I feel like that's something that any kid can do from any device, anywhere. And so maybe have the kids read a book or an article on a topic and then start a response to that 
this can be on, on a blog or a closed Facebook page with a certain classroom or a certain group. And that's a beautiful way to get kids interacting with each other, talking about animals, talking about kindness and empathy to animals in a forum that they're used to and that they like. You had mentioned Nobody's Cat earlier, and I just wanted to mention that Valerie Ingram and Alistair Schroff were guests on the Community Cat Podcast. And for folks that are interested in finding out more about how that book came about, it's episode number 77. And you can just go into the search bar and put the number 77 or Ingram. You can find the backstory between Nobody's Cats there. And it is, it's a fantastic, fantastic book. Rachel, you've got some upcoming presentations. If there are folks that are interested in seeing you, you speak. I believe you are going to be a uh, speaker at the Whole Cat Workshop, which is going to be in uh, Grafton, Massachusetts at Tufts Veterinary School on April 2nd. Is that correct? That is correct. I will be giving a lecture on cat behavior and retention and how cat shelters can set up their own cat behavior and retention programs. And I will also be going through common cat, quote unquote, misbehaviors and what we can do as cat behavior counselors or people in animal shelters to help people in the community, adopters, anyone who needs help with kind of the common cat concerns that I tend to hear a lot when I'm doing my cat behavior counseling. For example, litter box issues, introducing your new cat to your resident cat, multi-cat households, kind of the hot button topics that you see in the world of cat behavior. So if there are folks interested in finding out more about that talk on April 2nd, I'd recommend going to massanimalcoalition.com. That's the massanimalcoalition.com. And if you are a uh, Massachusetts resident, highly recommend also getting a spay-neuter license plate to help support the spay-neuter programs that, that they fund. It's something for, for Massachusetts folks, but anybody is welcome to come to the Whole Cat Workshop on April 2nd. It's a really fun event, and there's usually 100 to 150 people there. I call it the sort of cat Woodstock for the cat lovers in the New England area. It's a fun day, and Rachel will be very exciting to listen to her. And I believe the focus is somewhat on the human-animal bond, so it's appropriate that you're there talking. I'll definitely be focusing on creating empathy between the human and the animal, and also empathy for the client who is having difficulty with their cat and how we can be there for that person, be non-judgmental, and help them through what that person is probably seeing as a crisis with their cat, and do it in a calm, supportive, and understanding manner. So Rachel, if there are folks interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing or interested in working with you, because I believe you do consult with other organizations, how could people find you? People can email me at rachelsg at aol.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-G at aol.com. And I would be happy to talk with people about coming to your organization. And I do respond to every email. So any cat behavior questions, any 
humane education-based questions. I'm thrilled to hear from people and I always get back to people. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Rachel? I just really want to stress that we really want kids to report any animal abuse they ever see and to be sensitive to it. And we want kids to grow up to not be animal abusers. And in order to do that, kids need to have empathy to animals. And for that to happen, kids need to learn about animals and be exposed to animals. And that can only happen with education. Education is really our best weapon to fight against animal abuse. Yes, I would agree with you on that. And communication, to have a child to know that there are resources available to be able to get help. Uh, There was a story where a little kitten was thrown down some stairs by a, a girl and a younger boy grabbed the kitten and he brought them out to a couple of women who were at a feeding station in a community in Massachusetts. And he said, you know, I know you'll be able to help this kitten. But the thing was, he knew that that there was help available. And so just by being aware of that option too, I think helps empower kids to be able to make change. Absolutely. And he knew what he saw was wrong. And so he, somewhere along the line, had learned about empathy and compassion for animals and that they are beings with feelings. So that's a great story. Rachel, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on our show today, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Thank you, and I'd love to be back. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you.